0: So if you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click to, turn to, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. And if you if you don't have a, a Bible app or if you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. The words are going to come up on the screens as we walk through this. Uh, I'm going to give you abbreviated sermon this, this morning um, as we wanted to make room for the number of people that are going to be baptized and to prepare for the next service. And so we've been walking through this series, uh, Great Expectations. We've been looking at the book of First Peter. We've been work, walking verse by verse. Line by line, sometimes word by word, and we've been looking at this, this book. And, and so, this is a letter. It was a circular letter. Many of you know that because we've w- talked about this in the series. That Simon Peter was most likely in Rome. He's writing back to a group of churches that are in modern day Turkey now. And he's writing back to a group of churches, and it's a circular letter. He would write this letter about the Christian life, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a part of a church. And then they would, they would read this letter. And then they'd move on to the next church. And so that's why it's called a circular letter. It was like the sermon of their day or the sermon for their, their service. And so Simon Peter is trying to help them understand about this issue of persecution. Uh, the, the church is like, is like being persecuted by the Roman government. And so they're in intense persecution. And, and so the, 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 the Roman government was persecuting them. Simon Peter is reminding them, this is what God says about you. This is what God has done for you. And then he was encouraging them just to stay faithful to the faith. And so this morning, I, the topic of this message and the title of this message is this. It's just living a life that matters. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I want my life to count. I don't want to waste my life. I mean, I want to live a life, and I want to live a life that matters. And, and Simon Peter begins answering that question about how do you and I live a life that matters, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a ministry, whether, whether it's with our family, whether it's in the community. How do we live life differently because we're followers of a Christ and because we walk with him? And so in these few verses, Simon Peter Begins giving some insight. He was with Jesus in Jesus' ministry for a little bit over three years. And so he begins giving insights. So this is an example. This is some of the things that I saw in Christ. And, and so today I'm going to give you like three things. But here's what the scripture says. And, and so he writes, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what Simon Peter writes. He says, so I exhort the elders among you. Now listen in the Greek, just real quickly. That word "elder," the Greek word for that, it's interchangeable. It's used interchangeably with a lot of titles in the local church. A lot of leadership. It can mean uh, pastor. It can mean elder. It can mean bishop. It can mean. Uh, leader, it could mean deacon, it, it could mean several different things. And as the church is matured and as the church is developed, I believe he's writing to the leadership of a church. Whether you're a ministry partner, a ministry leader, a life group leader, a, um, you're a children's ministry uh, partner, or a student ministry partner, or, or or a pastor, an elder, a deacon, whatever form of leadership you have, he is, writing to the, he is writing, he's pressing, he's writing to the leaders. And so here's what he says. He says, so I encourage, I exhort the elders among you as, fe- as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now he starts giving action points. Shepherd, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. And then he starts talking about this issue of humility. He said, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. You need grace this morning, learn what humility is. You need grace this morning, learn to be humble. There's only one group of people that God says he opposes. A lot of times when we look at that, we think he opposes like this different type of people. But he says he only opposes the proud because the proud doesn't think he needs God. The proud doesn't think she needs God. The proud doesn't think they need him to tell them anything. So he goes on and he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. He may lift you up. And then verse 7, he goes, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Simon Peter is talking about this issue of living a life that matters. He's talking about this issue of coming down, verse 7, casting all of your anxieties on him, all of your worries, all of your fears on him. Why? Because he cares for you. The only way you and I can live out verse 7 is to understand verse 1 through 6. The only way really we can, uh, we can live out verse 7 is to understand the whole book of 1 Peter where Simon Peter was saying, this is how much God loves you. This is how much God cares you. As a result of that, cast all of your fears on him. Cast all of your worries on him. Cast all of your anxieties on him. Why? Because he loves you. He cares about you. Simon Peter learned this from the example of Jesus uh, towards the end of Jesus' ministry. In fact it is, the night before he was betrayed, he said these words in John chapter 17, 4. He said, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In other words, he came to this place that he, he accomplished everything that God had asked him to do. Verse nine, or John chapter 19, 30, on the cross, Jesus is about ready to, to die. He says, when, when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I don't know about you, but I would like to be able to say at the end of my life that I did everything that God asked me to do. Every task that he gave me to do, all the way through my, my life, I understood there's no retirement like in the Christian life. Just like this individual, just like this lady last night that, that followed the Lord and believer's baptism at 78, that, that we would live our life in such a way that we continue to follow him. So real quickly in the time that I have this morning, I just want to give you just three things. And, and the first one is a little bit long. It has some sub points. I, I think it's where the, the focus is. And so the first thing is this. If you want to live a life that matters... What's in your career, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your, your home, whether it's in, in, in a church. I think, the, I think these principles apply to every area of life. The first thing is this, is you must choose to serve others. You must come to the place to where, you know what, I'm going to be a servant. You choose to serve others. Simon Peter, verse, 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 verse 2, he says this. He said, shepherd the flock of, of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading glory. Jesus is the one that talked about servanthood as well. Jesus says, I didn't come to this world to, to, to be served, but to serve. Jesus said in Matthew twenty three eleven he says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. You want to be the greatest in an organization? You want to be the greatest in a church? You want to be the greatest in your family? just learn to serve. Just learn to meet the needs of others. I mean, when you look at this, it's really some simple stuff that, that Simon Peter is saying. He said that if you want to live a life of significance, if you want to live a life that matters, then, then, then love, love, love others as you love yourself. In other words, love others in such a way that, that you're willing to serve them, and when you ask yourself, "How can I make the best use of my time and how can I use, make the best use of my resources?" it's in this issue of serving, of serving. And Jesus Christ was the greatest example of what it means to serve, what it means to serve people. And then he gives, Simon Peter gives three identifiers, three, three attributes of what it means to serve. The first one is this: you need to be willing. You need to be willing to serve. I mean, it's an interesting phrase that he uses. And he says, you should serve willingly, not because, in other words, not because you have to, not, not, not under compulsion, not because you're forced to. You should come to the place that you serve, and it's, it's, like it's not out of duty. You ever been around someone, and you know they're, they're serving you, or maybe it's in the marketplace, maybe it's even in the church, and someone is doing something nice for you, but you know there's an ulterior motive. You know the only reason they're doing it is because they've been guilted into it. The only reason they're doing it is because they have to. And Simon Peter is saying, come to this place in your life. that It's, 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 not, it's not an issue of duty. It's not because you're being forced to. It's not, it, it comes from a pure heart. It comes from a, a pure motive. There's a story about this man, and he woke up one Sunday morning and went down into the kitchen, and, and he looked at his wife, and he says, I'm not going to church, and I got three good reasons why I'm not going to church, and you cannot make me go to church. I'm not going to church. And she says, well, okay. He said, the first reason is this. I don't like the building. I hate the building. I hate the chairs. It's always, you know, like too hot in that place. I hate the facility. I hate the building. I'm not going to church. I hate the building. Another thing is I don't like the people. You know what? I just, I don't, they're kind of stuffy. I don't like the people. The third thing is the people don't like me. I mean, they give me angry looks. They make some comments. They criticize me. And so I'm not going to church. I don't like the building. I don't like the people. And guess what? The people don't like me. She looked at him and says, well, you know what? You're going to church, and I'm going to give you three good reasons why you're going to church. She said the, she said the, 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 first, she said the first one is this, is, is I've already gotten up, and I'm dressed, and I'm ready to go. Of all, second reason is this, I've gotten up early, I've gotten the kids dressed, and they're ready to go. The third reason is this, you're the pastor. You have to go. <laughs> <laughs> they're expecting you to go. It's like your job, right? Can I tell you, even pastors some days have days like that, if we're honest. And Simon Peter is saying, you know what? This, when you serve, you do not serve because you've been guilted into it. You know when someone is like melded in, right? You know when someone's just going through the motions. You know when someone, it's not really who they are and it's not their passion. There was a, there's a st- statistic that was just recently out that honestly just shocked me and just like broke my heart all at the same time. They surveyed a, a group of, pa- of pastors. I was not in the survey, but they surveyed a group of pastors across the U.S. and the, the pastors that were my age or older said if it was possible and they could find another job and still feed their families, they would quit that day and walk away from the ministry. How does that happen? How does what was once a calling in your life now becomes like a job? What what happened that what was once something, a deep passion in your life, is now a bunch of I have to's, I've got to, I'm being forced to, I'm trapped in this situation. I just, I, I have to. Listen, I'm telling you, nothing great in life has ever been done with someone saying, do I have to? Right? You ever ask a teenager to clean their room and they say, do I have to? How did they clean that room? Not so good, right? Nothing ever very good, nothing ever great has ever been accomplished with someone of this attitude of, do I, do I have to? I mean, can you imagine like Neil Armstrong? before he stepped out on out of the lunar module onto the surface of the moon, radioed back to NASA control and said, "Hey, do I have to do this?" <laughs> Can you imagine David slaying Goliath in this battle with a I have to attitude? Normally, you know what someone with a have to attitude? They're only going to do enough to get by. And I really listen, they're not really doing it for pure motives. They're doing it for ulterior motives is to get something in returned and I don't know if this service is the same as the five o'clock in the 6:30 service last night, but I, I, I was talking through this in the five o'clock and I, I just had this I just had this deep impression that maybe some of you in a season of life where you feel like you're trapped by the have-tos of life. Or you'd say, you know what, my life right now, you're kind of talking to me. I mean, my life right now, I'm kind of in the have-to season of my life. I mean, life for me is like a duty, whether it's my job, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my career, whether it's my ministry. I mean, I just feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I'm trapped by like the, the have-to moments of life. And man, maybe, maybe you're here and you're, you're like a single parent. And your life seems to be just duty, 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 and responsibility. And you don't feel like there's a lot of time for you. Or maybe for you, it's the pressures of of a marriage. To what was once a love story, now is kind of stuck. I have to. I've got to. It's just kind of going through the motions. Maybe for you, it's in your business. You started off in a profession, a career, and you were excited about that. And then you've come to the place that it didn't pan out the way you thought it would. It, didn't, it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. And as a result of that, you know what, for you, you feel like, you know what, for me, it's a duty. I just, I got to gut through it. I got to get through it. I just got to make it through it somehow. A lot of people, when they come to these have-to moments in their lives, these got-to moments in our life, and we're just talking, right? But when people come to those emotions in their life or those events in their life, you know what they start thinking about? Like that group of, people, uh, group of pastors. They think, you know what? I need to change. I need to change the circumstances. If I could feed my family and do anything but ministry, I'd, I'd do that. I need to change my marriage. I need to change my job. I need to change my situation. And so there's a lot of people that when they get into these have-to, these got-to moments in their life to where life becomes duty and there's no love, there's no passion, they think, you know what, i got to change the circumstances. I'm telling you, the Word of God, Simon Peter, would say, hey, there's a different option available to us. Instead of changing your situation, instead of changing your circumstances, how about this? How about thinking about changing your heart? You can take in the Greek and it says when Simon Peter made that comment willingly, that you should serve willingly, you, you, can, you can actually circle that word willingly and a, a next to that word put energy. In other words, in, in, in the Greek, that word willingly was talking about this issue. This is where energy, this is where passion and life comes from. Listen, energy in life and passion in life comes from this issue, not being forced to do something, not have to do something, but I I get to do something. This is who I am. This is like what I'm called to be. This is is who I am in life. See, a servant, a true servant never approaches ministry, never approaches life with a have to's, but I, I get to. I don't know about you, but when I watch the number of people, I, I've even lost count. I mean, I think we're up to 35, 36 people we're going to baptize this weekend, and it may even grow from there. But when I, when I start watching uh, the, the life change that's happening and what is happening in this church, you know what? For me, it's just an honor just to hang around and see what God is doing. It is, a, it is one of the greatest privileges of my life to gather and to worship with you and just see what God is doing in, in, in here and, 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 my, and, and my ministry and my life. But instead of, like, changing your circumstances, how about this? How about changing, changing your heart? Moving the shoulds in life to the wants in life. Instead of I have to. I want to. I I want that energy again. You know what sucks the energy out of your life? Someone domineering over you, right? That's what he's talking about. Doing something out of guilt, doing something because you have to, doing something because you, that will suck the life out of you. But you know what adds energy to your life when I when I when I get to. Simple prayer. If you're in that situation, simple prayer would be this. Say. Say, God, help me. I'm willing, but would you help me to be willing? Would you help me to see things differently? My my wife, Karen, has a a little devotional book that she reads daily. It's called Jesus Always. And um, a couple of days ago, her little devotion said that every day you should look for treasures in life. That God is working even when you don't see it. God is working even when you don't feel it. And to try to go through life and find those treasures in life, those special things that God does. Coming to that place to say, you know, help me with this desire and duty. I want to do things out of desire and not duty. And something happens when you start looking at your husband or your spouse different, or you start looking at your job different, you start looking at your situation different, and you start saying, you know what, I, I get to. God, help me with that desire. Help me with that passion. The second thing that Simon Peter just says about this this issue of choosing to serve is, is this just, this issue of, just this issue of giving. And it's not talking so much about money, though that's part of it, but he's mainly talking about your time. He's mainly talking about, about how, you, how you give, how you serve. He says, verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. There's that word. As God would have you, not, listen, not not for shameful gain but eagerly in other words what he says is this is we serve we serve to bless not serve to get something in return we give we give not to get we give to bless Yes, there's there's scripture that talks about the blessing that comes on the household. There's blessing that comes when, when we give. Yes, there's tons of scripture about that. But the motivation for our giving, the motivation for our service is this. You know the reason we serve? Not to get something in return. The reason we serve the reason from pure motives the reason we serve people in our home the reason we serve people in our business I mean you ever been you ever dealt with with someone in customer service and they're really good and you know you know this is like a passion of theirs and they go over and above and they just serve you well as a customer i mean it's it's something amazing right when you see that played out in the marketplace the same way as in the local church that when all of a sudden it's like a passion of yours and you're just serving to serve you're not serving for like what he's Says you are not serving for shameful gain. That's one of the problems, right? Sometimes in the home, you ever had someone that served you and and they served you in such a way, they blessed you in such a way, but when you didn't respond properly, they were like angry, or they like frustrated because you they they served you, they blessed you, they did something nice for you, and all of a sudden you didn't respond back the way that they thought you should, and then all of a sudden, like they're 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 angry. And you realize, well, I don't know if that was like pure motives. I think you were serving to get something in return. I think you were serving to get a response in return. And I know this is difficult to talk about. But this issue that Simon Peter is talking about, when we come to the place in relationships, whether it's parenting, whether it's marriage, whether it's ministry in the church, the ultimate reason we serve, we serve to bless. We serve to help. It's our love motivation for the others that causes us to do this. Listen, I'm telling you, this issue of influence, this influence comes. They're just willing, to, just willing to serve. A lot of people think, you know what, in life, influence comes from money. I would tell you this, influence really comes from just serving. Money is not a problem. Having money is not a problem. I mean, you can use money to bless others. You can use money to serve others. And so the Bible says nothing negative about money. What the Bible talks about, this issue of greed, greed is like this unquenchable desire to get more, and that's the problem. And greed, listen, greed is not a respecter of salary brackets. It's just this unquenchable desire that no matter what, listen, greed is this, I'm never content with what I have. I'm never content with my salary. I'm never content with my job. I'm never content with my spouse. I'm never content with my children. I'm never content with the situations that God has placed around me. And as a result of that, it's this issue of greed that there's this unquenchable desire that no matter what you do, no matter what you accomplish, it's it's not, it's not. This issue of money, from what the Bible says, money can be deceiving. And it can look like you're making an impact, and you may not be making an impact at all. And so Simon Peter says, instead of focusing on that, focus on this issue of just willing to serve, just willing to be a servant, and, and see what happens. Just see what God does. The third identifier attribute of this issue of, of, of serving is this. is just be, be willing to be a role model. And just, be willing, just be willing to be a role model. In other words, be willing to like be an example. I mean, the scripture talks a lot about the father and an example to, to the children. And exa, and exa, spiritually, an example to the family. I mean, Simon Peter says this in, in verse 3. He says, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being an example example to the church an example to the flock an example to your family to where you don't come to this place to where like like you domineer over people this, this issue of pride is what he's talking about and it's something interesting to me but you you want to you want to know someone's true character give them a little bit of power just put them in charge of some stuff just give them a little bit of power If they begin domineering over people and become arrogant and demanding and legalistic and mean and demeaning and degrading, then all of a sudden it reflects something about their character. The reason that they were serving was not out of pure motives. And so Simon Peter says, says this about this issue of your influence. Come to, the, come to the place with influence to where you're an example to the flock. The measure of your influence and the measure of my influence is not how many people go to your church or not how many people are under, under you in your organizational chart, uh, anything like that. The measure of your influence is the number of people that follow you, the m- number of people that love you. The number of people that want to be in relationship with you. This is an interesting word that Simon Peter uses. For example, he says, be example of the flock. One of the ways to understand the Greek language is to go into other writings of their time and say, Hey, how did these guys, how did these authors, how did these people use this word? And so you can go into the writings of Josephus, who was a historian of their day, Plutarch and some other people, and look up the word example and say, how do they use the word example? Can I tell you this? So interesting to me. The most common word that this word example was used in their day, that it was a word that originally comes from the idea of a die or a stamp. In their day, they would take a, when they'd mail a letter, they would, they would take and, and melt wax on the seal of the envelope on the, on the envelope, they would melt wax, and then they had this metal object that was a family seal, it was an emblem, and, and they would press into the wax and it would make an, an impression. That impression was just a duplicate of the original. Simon Peter says, "You, you want to make a mark? Just be an example. Just be an example. Just be an example of Christ. Love your, listen, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the people around you. To the very best of your ability, learn, learn, how, to, learn how to serve. The second thing is this. He, he goes in and he says, you, you must remain humble. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. The Bible talks a lot about this issue of humility. Humility simply says, God, I'm, God, I'm, I'm dependent on you. If you're, in that, if you're in that difficult situation, if you're in that, that situation that you say, I kind of feel like I'm stuck, it's out of duty. If you're in a situation where it's chaotic or there, there's, 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 there's conflict going on in your life, then, then the scriptures of Simon Peter says, you know what, humble yourself. And he will lift you up at the proper time. You know the frustrating thing with that? I want him to lift me up on my timescale, right? I mean, I want it like right now. And he says, I'll, I'll, I'll do it on my timescale. Word humble simply means to bow down. It means to worship. In my mind, it means this. It means, it means duck. So God can take care of the other person. So God can take care of the the situation. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 12, it said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The last thing is this, and just real quickly is, if you're going to live a life of significance is, you have to refuse to worry. Can I just tell you this? Worriers never accomplish much in life. They're always worried. Always worried about the future. And here's the interesting thing about Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a worrier. You go, you go and you look in the Gospels and you find that when Simon Peter was Jesus, he worried about everything. He worried about you know who's going to feed the you know the you know we're, who's going to feed the five thousand. Remember Jesus was preaching late. He went over his preaching time, and Simon Peter goes to him and says, "Hey, just in case you know that all the businesses are closing, like McDavid's is closed and Chick Fil A is closed, and like where are these people going to eat? How are we going to feed the people? I'm worried about the people." And Simon Peter says, you know, uh, "Jesus said, Simon Peter, you worried about the people? Yeah, I'm worried about the people. Then you feed them. You take care of them." Simon Peter was always worried, Jesus, what's going to happen to us when you leave? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen with this miracle? What's going to happen with this situation? But something changed in Simon Peter's life. And it changed in his life. In John chapter 21, Jesus, I mean Simon Peter had denied Christ three times. Uh, after the resurrection, there on the, on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus comes back and he reinstates Peter. He forgives him and he reminds Simon Peter how much he loves him. Once Simon Peter knew how much God loves me, can I just tell you, God is crazy in love with you. God is crazy about you. God loves you deeply. And a lot of us just need to understand that. And when Simon Peter realized how much God loved him, you know what? He quit worrying. You know the problem with worrying? We focus on ourselves, right? What are they going to say about me? How are they going to respond to this? How's this going to work out for me? Worry turns inward. Worry, listen, I'm just telling you, worry works on yourself. It grinds against you. Faith, God, works on the problem. That's why Simon Peter says, hey, cast all of your anxieties on him. Cast all of your worries on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Sometimes I think what keeps us from walking in faith is we really wonder how much he cares for us. I'm here to tell you this morning, he is crazy in love with you, and he wants the best for you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?